This is the Retire Happy Podcast with John Amarino, teaching you each episode about holistic retirement planning. Well, we hope you have a big smile on your face today, because after all, this is the Retire Happy Podcast. That's what we want. We want you to be enjoying retirement, or if you're approaching it, you want to be excited about it and ready for the challenge that lies ahead and embrace it. And we talk about the financial side of that challenge on the program each and every time. I'm Walter Storholt. Thanks so much for taking some time out to join us this week. If you're new to the program, well, let me introduce you, the man you're here to uh, here to hear, I should say, John Amarino, fiduciary financial advisor at Securus Financial, serving you throughout the San Diego area with an office there conveniently off Interstate 15 on Trina Street, right next to Scripps Ranch High School. You can also find us online 24-7 at gosecurus.com. Listen to past episodes of the podcast and all that good stuff there on the website. Again, that's gosecurus.com. John, I know that you have a big smile on your face. You're always in a good mood every time we talk. Always, always. I love what I do. <laughs> well, I'm glad to hear that, and uh, I know that it's important to enjoy what you do, and that's a big conversation that you have with people when they're you know, looking forward to retirement. Part of the big conversation is what are you going to do with those retirement years? And sometimes the money side of the equation can help empower us to do those things that we want to do in retirement. And so that's why we make that obviously a central tenant and a conversation starter here on the program. So we're going to start a uh, the first of a two-part series here on the podcast. We're going to talk about the five most common pain points in your financial life. And we're going to cover two of the pain points on today's show. And then uh, that'll be a lot for you to absorb. So then we'll, we'll take a deep breath. We're going to answer a good listener question before we wrap up today as well. Got a question that came in from Hector. So we'll answer Hector's question and then we'll come back and we'll do some more of the pain points on the next edition of the podcast. So what do we mean by pain points? Well, John, we're talking about these things in financial planning that bother us, <laughs> that, that causes some sort of consternation. Maybe it's not physical pain. Maybe it is. Maybe we get heart palpitations when the market goes up and down or certain things happen in our financial life and actually do cause us to have some sort of physical or emotional reaction. And so I want you to tell us about some times you've helped people deal with these pain points, how often you run across them, and what are some of the solutions, obviously, to these things as well. And the first one that we're going to discuss today, John, is about taxes and the angst that a lot of people have about taxes. Now, let's see. We're recording this episode, John, right before the tax deadline. We're, we're approaching the tax deadline. This episode will publish right after the tax deadline is over. So I have a big feeling that a lot of people probably just went through some of this angst about taxes. Absolutely right. Everyone's favorite time of the year, tax time. I just got, you know, we were talking before the show, I just spent the better half of a couple of days doing uh, my taxes. Always a fun time. But yes, this is uh, commonly a time where my taxes and retirement class is over capacity. <laughs> uh, because, you know, taxes, while they're always on our mind, it becomes the reality this time of the year, right? Well, It's I very fresh that. on the mind at this point. Yeah. And for a lot of retirees, all of a sudden they get the realization that, wow, I'm actually not in as low of a tax bracket as I thought I'd be. It's a big wake up call for people. So yeah, people start getting uh, that uneasiness about the taxes. You know, and I, I think now, uh, especially as we're going more into the new tax laws, I think hopefully a little bit of that angst will go away. There's going to be a better understanding 
But I think for a lot of people, it is a little bit of a letdown because they're not as low as in taxes as, as they envisioned they would be in retirement. Now, why is that? Because obviously, I guess something that would eliminate our angst is thinking, oh, we're, we're going to have lower taxes, lower tax rate and lower taxes overall during our retirement years. I'm not going to be working after all anymore. So I'm not going to be paying taxes on that money that I had been, you know, many years, you know, prior. Then all of a sudden, you know, they think they've eliminated that angst and now it's jumping back up at them kind of out of nowhere. Why is that usually the case that it's not as they depicted or, or thought? Well, you know, traditionally, before the new tax law, where a lot of people are now under the standard deductions, but you know, traditionally, a lot of people lost those beautiful deductions that they used to have. You know, I've got a couple kids at home, yet they're gone, they're out of the house. And so the loss of the deduction was there. You often find people with pensions, especially very rich pensions, well, they're still earning a good portion of what they did when they were working. And the pension is a paycheck. It's a retirement paycheck that you're going to get. The other thing is, I think people that don't have pensions, look at it this way. I'm not working anymore. Therefore, my taxes will be lower. Well, in retirement, it's different. Your retirement, especially if you have an asset-based retirement, you're living off your assets. It's not based on a paycheck anymore. It's based on your lifestyle. You understand what I'm saying there, Walter? Absolutely. Yeah. And what I mean by that is, right, if you like to spend $10,000 a month, that's $120,000 a year in expenses that you're going to have to fund. And you're going to take that out of a tax postponed account, most likely. And that tax postponed account is going to be taxed as ordinary income, just like if you're collecting a paycheck again. So to fund $120,000, you may have to take out $150,000 and that's going to put you up in a nice tax bracket. The other thing too is you no longer have the ability to shove money in that 401k or that traditional IRA. If you have no earned income, there is no making you know tax deferred contributions. So I think a lot of people get that harsh realization. We've talked about Social Security in the past. Again, that's where people find themselves, you know, at certain lifestyles. For every dollar, if you're a married couple, for every dollar in provisional income, that's over $44,000. And that includes half of your Social Security benefit. So if you're, if you have a $50,000 combined Social Security benefit, $25,000 of that goes into the equation. So if you're taking out another, you know, $19,001, from your IRA or 401k, every dollar beyond that, you know, is subjecting 85% of your benefit to taxation. And what does that do? That increases your taxable liability, right? And, you know, this is after tax season. So if you did your taxes, to illustrate my point, go to line 20A of your tax return and you're going to see your social security benefit. And then go to look at right next to it's line 20B and that's the taxable social security benefit. And you'll be able to see right there the impact of either your pensions or your withdrawal from your tax postponed accounts, you know, the impact that it has on your Social Security taxes. So I had a couple come in one time and um, they were just retiring. They had a, a, a nice nest egg built up for them. They, they had done very well for themselves. And... They were going to collect Social Security early, and they also had a lifestyle that was going to essentially cost about $100,000 a year. 
So they were more about you know saving their assets because that's the safety blanket for a lot of people. We don't want to touch these assets because we're not used to that. So we want to push that off and we want to collect Social Security earlier. And we, we've talked about claiming Social Security early or at full retirement age and delaying you know, in past episodes, I'm not going to really go into that. But in this case, they were going to collect Social Security early. And their Social Security benefit was going to cover about $48,000 of their 100000 So when we looked at all the angles of this, we showed them how the taxable impact, about 60% of their Social Security was going to be subject to taxation. So they took what was once a tax-free benefit and expose themselves to 60% of it being subject to taxes. So, you know, off the top of my head there, they were looking at over 26, 27,000 of their $48,000 benefit being taxed. And, you know, they didn't think about it. Kind of referring back to some past episodes, it was very black and white to them. They didn't see this gray area and the impact that it would have. And, you know, they would have actually jettisoned themselves uh, considerably higher in a dollar for dollar tax rate. The other great tax story I have, and this really comes to advanced tax planning, is, you know, a lot of people have to take into consideration how they invest. And, you know, growing your money is great, but it can also be a double-edged sword. And I had another couple that came in, again, they did very well for themselves. They were retiring at 63. And their goal was to earn another million dollars in their IRA. But that was where they were tunnel visioned. They didn't look at the effect that million dollars would have. And we showed them that they were actually exposing their money to a great amount of risk, right? They were in some very high risk investments where they could lose half their investments if a 2008 crash happened again. But the big thing is when it came to taxes that when they collected their social security and their RMDs and all that came into play, at age 70, and they were going to delay till age 70, their Social Security. But when RMDs and Social Security all came into play, they were actually going to shoot themselves up from a 28% marginal tax bracket to a 41% marginal tax bracket. So I posed the question, you know, to risk half of your assets, half of your life savings to increase your taxable liability, $50,000 a year, is that really worth it? And the answer there, as they were staring at the grass right in front of them, was overwhelmingly, absolutely not. And, you know, the husband just kind of covered his face with his hand and said, you know, I, it's never been presented to me looking at all the different angles. Hmm. And we're simply amazed on how our thinking needs to change. Neat to hear those stories. And it is a big pain point for a lot of people. They just don't have the proper plan in place to deal with the moving parts and the complications of taxes. And so bottom line, you can help solve that pain point by just having a good attack plan and a good defense plan against the tax situations that you're going to face in your financial life. So thank you for yeah, being Yeah, And I mean, one, one thing's certain, right? It's taxes. I yes, mean, if, if anything, death and taxes. right? Death and taxes, the two absolutes in life. So, um, the angst is real. It's understandable. But like you said, if we know it's a certainty, then we should be planning for it. That's a great point. All right. So that's 
Common pain point number one in your financial life, angst about taxes. Now we're going to tackle the second pain point that might be in your financial life. And again, not everybody will identify with some of these. Maybe some of these you're okay. You do have a plan against it, or it doesn't bother you, the concern. But I think one of the five, at least, if not multiple of them, you will be able to identify with by the time we're done with this series. Second one on the list here, John, is anxiety. We already had angst about taxes. Anxiety going to be kind of a common thread through many of these examples. But this one is some anxiety about an impending market crash. I think this is something that everybody probably started feeling a little bit back in the fourth quarter of 2018. And I'm sure it's not the last time that we're going to experience that kind of anxiety. Absolutely not. Absolutely. You know, anxiety about an impending market crash. I I really look at this in two ways as to what are two root causes. Number one, personal experience. And number two, what we see on TV. You know, when I started my practice at the end of 2012, I was talking to a lot of people whose lives were extremely affected by the 2007 to 2009 financial crisis. People who wanted to retire in 2009 or 2010, and they were still working in hopes that they were going to retire in 2013. And you see that the pain point of those people or people who had just retired in 2006, 2005 and lost a significant amount, that pain, I mean, even 10 years later is real. And those people don't want to experience it. I mean, they are holding on to that money for dear life because they understand they got that lesson very early on in retirement or, you know, right at the nearing point of retirement that the impact that the market can have on your money and that investing in retirement is an absolutely different game than investing during your accumulation years. You have to take into account what are you doing to preserve that money. So that anxiety leads to most often people wanting to shove their money under the mattress, right? They've got their money. It's all tucked away under the mattress and they feel safe, but it's not keeping up with inflation. Therefore, you know, they're losing their money to purchasing power. And, you know, if you shove all that money under your mattress and in 10 years, you may have lost 20 to 30% of your purchasing power. And, you know, that's the same thing as losing it in the market. So that's the first common anxiety I see, you know, the first mindset. The second one is the media. And I think, Walter, uh, you can agree with me on this, that if you turn on any of your favorite uh, cable news channels, chances are you watch it for, you know, more than 30 minutes, you're going to see some doom and gloomer talking about how the market's going to crash, right? Yeah, breaking news. It'll be in big red letters, bolded, highlighted, underlined, italicized, all of it. <laughs> right, right. So, you know, a lot of people, and I've gotten this from clients who said, oh, yeah, you know, I got a newsletter and this guy's saying that the market's mm. are going to crash and it's going to be ugly. And I've read some very successful hedge fund managers who've, you know, talked about impending uh, market crashes. So the anxiety is real. And I think uh, you brought up a phenomenal timeline. And that was the, the fourth quarter of 2018. 2018 was a great wake up call. And it really, you know, 
we didn't nearly experience what we did back in 2007 to 2009, but for a lot of pre-retirees or especially the brand new retirees, they got the wake up call that for a lot of people, you know, market loss became a reality. And here's a great, this was actually earlier in February, 2018, but I had a female come in and she wasn't a client yet. And she told me she was okay with losing 30%. That that's how the markets, the, the markets go up, they go down. The worst thing you can do is buy and fold. And, and I, I agree with that, right? It's panicking. However, you know, Dalbar, that quantitative think tank has told us time and time again that people are irrational investors and they make irrational decisions. And the confidence this lady had to have a, a more aggressive portfolio soon changed when we started having those big thousand point drops in the market. And, and here's one thing, you know, thousand point drops in the market make for great headlines, but people have to understand that a thousand point drop in the Dow. Yes, it still hurts. I'm not going to say that we should accept it. Not at all. It still hurts, but a thousand point drop in the market is not the same as a thousand point drop in the Dow 10 years ago right? Because the Dow is now, you know, over 25,000 points versus, you know, 15,000 points. That's, that's a big difference in percentage. So this lady felt okay with, you know, losing 30%, but then when the thousand point drops happen, right? And we are still going through our initial discovery phase, which is, you know, and we take our time. It's a couple of appointments she wanted to expedite things. She said, I want to get my money out from where it is. I'm really concerned. I just lost 5%. <laughs> I said, well, you know, last week, with all due respect, you weren't going to tell me that you weren't going to have that sleepless in San Diego night, <laughs> you know, that sleepless night until you're around 30%. Why the change in attitude? And she said, because I remember what you told me after that, that things are different now. And, and you're absolutely spot on. Things are different. And I realize that I'm not going to be able to put money back into my 401k to help, you know, kind of soften the blow. And that I'm not going to have a paycheck in six months. And this, my livelihood depends on this. So, if it's okay with you, I like to adjust my answer and I would like to get this planning expedited so I can have that peace of mind that you so talk about. So, you know, I think between the media and the personal experiences, you know, it really does play with a lot of people's emotions. And that's why, you know, Dalbar has said, you know, over the last 30 years and 20 years and 10 years that people time and time again, underperform the market because people are inherently irrational. It's easy to say you're going to do a buy and hold and you are going to accept the losses, but in reality, that doesn't happen. The anxiety kicks in, the heart takes over for the head, and irrational decisions are made. And people, you know, instead of doing what they are supposed to do, which is buy low, sell high, they oftentimes buy high in that euphoric cycle, right? Oh, the stock market's at all-time highs. We got to buy. And then they sell low. So they do the exact opposite. And just like Warren Buffett says, right? 
he loves to buy when people are panicking because that's where the deals are. So um, we do see the anxiety about impending market crashes. I, I'm not going to say, you know, we're in the longest bull run in our history. So no matter how our economy is performing, you know, the markets still are cyclical animals and the law of gravity states, whatever goes up must come down. So I think that, you know, we do have to have an understanding of where your risk tolerance is and really what that pain point, as we said, you know, the five most common pain points, what your pain point's going to be. And we want to try to invest, you know, underneath that pain point. We want to keep that anxiety low because as I tell all my clients, right, investments and growing your money is important, but the most important thing is your return on life. And we want you to be happy. We want you to have a stress-free retirement. Yes, you are going to have stressful events. It's life. But we want to try to minimize your exposure to that. And if we can minimize it by, you know, giving you a comfortable level and a comfortable, reasonable expectation and a comfortable understanding of how much you will gain or lose, then you're going to have less anxiety. And if you have a plan that's easy to understand and we've looked at all the angles and you've planned for the bad stuff, you've planned for life's, you know, transitions, good or bad. Having that plan is going to give you a better chance of success. It's all really well said, John, and that's just two of the five common pain points that we see in people's financial lives, taxes, and the anxiety about that impending market crash. Be sure to join us on the next episode in two weeks from today's published day. We'll be posting that one as well, and you'll be able to uh, hear the other three most common pain points. We'll be sure to cover those in detail on the next edition of the podcast. But if you have any questions about what we've covered so far, if any of this did strike a chord with you and you said, oh yeah, ooh, that brings me a lot of pain. Yeah, I was going through some troubles in, in the fourth quarter. I was panicking. I was thinking about pulling money out. I thought that was the crash. Those are little red flags telling you that you might not have as solid of a financial plan in place as you thought. And if you're approaching retirement, it's even more important to make sure that you address these kinds of things. Or if you've recently retired without one of these full-blown plans in place, that's an even bigger reason to make sure that you take some action today. If you want to reach out to John and ask him some questions about this and get your own financial plan in place, if you haven't done that before, give him a call at 858-935-6210. That's 858-935-6210. And you can also go online to gosecurus.com. That's gosecurus.com. Dot com and contact John through the website, get in touch, come in, meet with him at his office there on Trina Street off of Interstate 15, serving you throughout the San Diego area. GoSecurus.com or again, 858-935-6210, the number to dial. Well, John, it's time to get to know you a little bit better, a segment we debuted on the last edition of the podcast where we just ask you a non-financial question. As always, it's important that you get to know your clients, but we also want to make sure that they get to know you a little bit better as well. And so my question for you this time around, a hypothetical one, if you could basically make someone a saint, you know, who would you choose if you could honor someone and give them sainthood if you had the power to do so? Oh, this is a no-brainer. My mom. Okay. I knew that was coming. That was that was going to be my guess. You know, and this just isn't your typical, uh, you know, mama's boy response, <laughs> although I am a proud mama's boy. There you go. My mom is just, she's 
a whole different type of person, you know, and she's taught me from a young age that you don't always think about yourself, that you think about other people and you care for other people. And, you know, there's obviously not going to be, everyone's not going to be as fortunate as you. And, you know, you try to always help out people the best you can. And that's the true meaning of, of leaving a legacy. And, you know, my mom just didn't tell me these things. She exhibited them. And, and she does to this day. I mean, you know, my mom's in her 70s. And every Wednesday she goes to the hospital and she prays with the sick and she visits the sick. And, you know, she tries to give them life. And, you know, there's a lot of people. And my wife is in the uh, skilled nursing industry. And, and she sees a lot of people who don't have, you know, that support network. You know, and there's unfortunately some family members that just drop their family, their, their loved ones off in a, in a facility. And that's that. So my mom goes and she visits these people and, you know, shows them that there's uh, people out there uh, that care about them. And, and she really does, you know, she gives people her heart. So if there's anyone that's going that I, I always tell uh, my wife and I always joke about it, it has a golden ticket front of the line VIP pass, uh, <laughs> it, it would be my mom. She's an absolute angel. That's pretty cool. Yeah, I, I would have to say my mom as well. Dad dad in the conversation too, but it seems like uh, similar to your mom. Every time I call and see what they're doing, they're always without fail on their way back from the hospital. And it's always that, oh God, why are you in the hospital? And it's, no, we were visiting people. So <laughs> it was just just something that they do. And, uh, and it's just like, wow, that's something else. When somebody puts other people ahead of themselves, it's something to be admired and respected and applauded in this case as well. So pretty cool. Easy answer for you this time around, right? Oh, yeah. Very easy. Very easy. Excellent. Well, let's see if we can make things a little bit harder for you on the mailbag. Maybe Hector has a good question for you that will, uh, you know, cause you some trouble. My guess is no, as you're so well versed in all these financial matters, but maybe it'll be slightly more challenging than the sainthood question here. This one comes to us from Hector in Rancho Penasquitas. By the way, if you want to submit a question to us, you can do that by going to gosecurus.com and contact us through the website. Hector says, John, I love the show. Uh, I've got a question for you. I'm torn between contributing to a Roth IRA or a traditional IRA, which is better? Oh, the gray area that we talked about in the uh, <laughs> that's a, right a past podcast, right? I bet uh, I well, bet Hector didn't su- uh, submitted his question before we published that podcast. I bet that's what it was. Right, right. <laughs> um, or maybe uh, you know, I'm taking a look at this as the Hector's in his accumulation, you know, phase, and he's not looking to do a conversion. But what does he contribute to? Right, he's going right. to put that money in. I guess they are two different conversations, aren't they? The last episode we talked about the conversion process, Converting. and this is just a straight up contribution question. So that's important right. to distinct. Yes, you're right. Right. So, you know, a few things. Uh, again, that's not a black and white answer, though. It doesn't change things. Hector, a couple things you need to ask yourself. Number one, do you believe taxes are going to be higher in the future? Because there is really no difference between a Roth IRA and a traditional IRA in the end game if taxes are the same. Now, if taxes are lower, then the traditional IRA would work out. But, you know, given what we talked about in the past, I don't see that as a likelihood. What is a greater likelihood is that taxes could be higher, much higher. So if you believe taxes are going to be higher in the future, 
then it is advantageous to contribute to the Roth IRA. If you are in the middle of the tax bracket and you're okay without getting that deduction that you would get from your traditional IRA, and you just want to buy the IRS out at a tax rate that you understand and you know, then I would do the Roth IRA. The only time I would honestly really look into the traditional IRA based on what I know and what I feel personally about taxes is if you need that deduction, right? If you need to lower your income because you're going to be in that next tax bracket. So if you know, you're going to be in the let's just say 37% tax bracket. And if you would have just put $5,500 in to uh, your traditional IRA, then you would be in that lower 33% tax bracket. And a great point is, you know, for as much as I preach tax-free, and I do have, I have multiple tax-free investments in my own portfolio, but there are some times where my CPA says, hey, we have to contribute to your SEP IRA to keep you out of this bracket. And that's a good thing to analyze and understand. And that would be a reason to put your money in a traditional IRA. But if you have the ability to try to buy out, pay the uh, tax on the seed, not the harvest, if you know the old farmer analogy, and uh, let that money grow and be all yours, not the IRS's. The one thing I definitely find helpful with Roth IRAs is the amount in the account is the amount of the account, where in the traditional IRAs, you always have to, even though it may look juicy <laughs> and exciting, you've got to remember that it's not really reflective of how much money you've got to work with. So just there's right. there's, there's like a dopamine effect of the Roth IRA, at least just knowing, okay, this is truly all mine and it's not going to decrease when I go to take it out. Right. And one great thing that you have to realize, even if you're going to do a combination of both, at least contribute a little bit to that Roth IRA, at least get one started. Because to take distributions from an IRA that are post uh, or the earnings on your IRA, on your Roth IRA, you need to have that Roth IRA in existence for at least five years. So any Roth IRA. So at least, you know, get one started. That's another great reason to contribute at least something to your IRA, Roth IRA. Well, great podcast today, John. Enjoyed hearing about some of those different things we need to be thinking about when it comes to the pain points in our retirement planning preparation. And we'll certainly cover the rest of those on the next edition of the podcast. And also a great question from Hector. Thank you for submitting that one as well. If you want to submit a question or just ask John questions one-on-one, you can do that on the website at gosecurus.com. That's gosecurus.com. And you can also give John a call, set up a time to chat about maybe something that's on your mind when it comes to your financial planning. If you need the advice of somebody who has gone through this before with many people here in the San Diego area, helping them prepare to get to and through retirement, John's a great resource to reach out to. And again, his number is 858-935-6210. That's 858-935-6210. John, thanks for the help on this week's show, and we'll do it again next time. Thank you, Walter. Take care. You got it. That's John Amarino. I'm Walter Shorehold. Thanks so much for joining us, and we'll look forward to talking to you on the next podcast. This is the Retire Happy Podcast, teaching you about holistic retirement planning. Have a good one.
Investment advisory services offered through Brookstone Capital Management, LLC, BCM, a registered investment advisor. BCM and Securus Financial are independent of each other. Insurance products and services are not offered through BCM, but are offered and sold through individually licensed and appointed agents. The opinions expressed by John Amarino and guests on this radio show are their own and are based upon information considered reliable, although it should not be relied upon as such. Any statements or opinions are subject to change without notice. Investments involve risk and, unless otherwise stated, are not guaranteed. Past performance cannot be used as an indicator to determine future results. Any strategies mentioned may not be suitable for everyone. Information expressed does not take into account your specific situation or objectives and is not intended as recommendations appropriate for you. Before acting on any information mentioned, please consult with a qualified tax or investment advisor to determine if it is suitable for your specific situation. This program is designed to provide accurate and authoritative information with regard to subject covered.